1: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Friday Injury Report Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hartson, joining me on this lovely Friday afternoon, fresh off of Cleveland Guardians, went over them damn Yankees, I'm feeling great, Nick Boniford. Nick, what's going on, my friend?
0: Nothing, man, I'm excited for today, how you doing?
1: i'm doing great man i made that very clear again you know it's been uh quite many years before i've had any sort of you know good things happen over in the baseball side of things i never bring it up here on this podcast we're always sticking to football and all that but you all can let me have my one mini moment today before i'm sure things inevitably go south in the future but for today ohio against the world everyone and don't you forget it but on to more important facts and that is getting after what is a pretty long injury report nick we had the bye weeks you know we are had thursday night football going into you know getting my show sheet ready i was expecting things to be a little bit lighter absolutely not. I spent the better part of the last three hours grinding away on this. But with that, we have a lot of good things to talk about. And with that, let's get after it. So starting things off, Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson with the right shoulder, fully expected to be okay for his Monday night showdown against the Chargers. Just realize this does help explain a little bit why he's been outside the top 20 quarterbacks in accuracy on short passes, intermediate passes, deep passes, all that and more. Not saying we're going to see the Broncos all of a sudden take this huge step forward the second Russ's shoulder feels you know perfect still though try to give the guy a little bit of slack here and there for now Colton Sutton to a much lesser extent Jerry Judy only pass catchers in that Denver offense that we are interested in we do have Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers he was a DMP on Wednesday with that right thumb injury not listed on the final injury report good to go Sunday against the Jets Nick interesting one with the Saints Jameis Winston actually listed as questionable with the back and ankle injury we've already gotten confirmation though that Andy Dalton will be starting his third consecutive game in place of Jameis so obviously good news for Alvin Kamara. I mean, he caught six passes in his first game with Dalton only had five and two games with Jameis Winston. With that said though, Nick, like, is it reasonable now again with Andy Dalton under center and my God, we'll get to the wide receiver injuries in a minute, but, more and more Taysom Hill here. I mean, it's working. I don't know why they would go too far away from it. I have Taysom as my tight end 14 this week, which is ahead of guys like Dalton Schultz, like Tyler Conklin. But I'm almost uh, thinking about even moving him up here, not having Jameis in the picture. What's your take on the whole Taysom Hill situation?
0: Yeah, I'm even higher than you, man. I've got him as a mid-tier tight end one. Uh, I mean, you can take a, a four-point game from you know Noah Fant or whatever. Like, <laughs> I want access to the guy who who will throw touchdowns and rush for touchdowns. So give me uh, all or nothing here. With
1: this in mind, like, again, I have him tight end 14 right now. I think I will, when I do my rankings adjustments, get him up into tight end one territory. I can't believe the times we're living in, but you know what? You got to do what you got to do. I think I'm going to have Taysom Hill as my tight end 11. I would still go with legit full-time real tight ends like Hayden Hurst, Hunter Henry, Najoku, Tyler Higby. I would go with them over Taysom. But to your point, man, once it becomes like Taysom Hill versus guys like Irv Smith, Robert Tunyon, you know, even a banged up Dalton Schultz, It's like, yeah, the snaps aren't gonna be there for Taysom, but the touches are going to be there, and arguably even more so than for those other guys. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, similar situation here where he is officially questionable with the right thumb injury, but we are fully expecting Cooper Rush, the ginger Jesus himself, to be out there against the Eagles. Fun story, he's undefeated. Guys, the Cowboys are implied to score the second fewest points in all of week six. So start sick questions. Hopefully we'll talk about CeeDee Lamb in a couple minutes, but CeeDee really is the only cowboy. That I think should be in the majority of fantasy starting lineups with the Panthers. It will be the PJ Walker show. Baker Mayfield doubtful with that ankle injury. Yeah, I said the Cowboys' second lowest implied offense. Panthers are the lowest implied offense. Only Christian McCaffrey. Sadly, that even includes DJ Moore. We just can't do it with the Miami Dolphins. Two attack of Aloha out this week with the concussion and alleged ankle injury. Teddy Bridgewater questionable with the concussion and right pectoral injury. Skylar Thompson once again drawing the start. Nick, it's. It's a mixture of, I believe in Mike McDaniel. I really. Think Skylar Thompson potentially, like in terms of arm talent and future upside, I don't think he could be okay, like a better than your usual seventh down rookie quarterback. I uh, will at least go on a limb and say that. But the big things for me in continuing to trust Tyreek and Jalen Waddle are the facts that both of them are freaking gods in terms of their on field talent. And Mike McDaniel, the early returns, you know, questionable concussion practices aside, have been very good for the league's offense that's using the most motion, third most play action. Are you still comfortable treating Tyreek O and Jalen? Jalen Waddle as upside wide receiver one, wide receiver twos guys that need to be started despite Skylar Thompson under center.
0: Uh, wide Upside wide receiver twos. Yes. Okay. Not uh, wide receiver ones is tough, but against the Vikings, I like they, they can get loose against that secondary.
1: I've seen your guys' lineups. You know, I, tw- I tweeted out earlier when Cam Akers got ruled out like, go pick up Daryl Henderson if you can. I fully realize that a lot of leagues' lineups aren't going to have them available, even if it helps 20% of you go for it. But then naturally, I get the uh, reply tweet showing me these four-team league lineups where they have like 10, you know, they have 10 to 12 wide receiver ones already on their team already. So maybe you can show me some lineups where Waddle and Tyreek Hill shouldn't be in there. But I think the vast majority of them, guys, you are going to want those two playmakers starting for your squad final QB knows that Patriots quarterback Mac Jones questionable with the ankle injury Nick have you gotten a read on if he's even going to be out there I I don't have uh, no reports or anything just based on the kind of lack of kind of confirmation we've got going to my head I would think it's gonna be Bailey Zappi again but I, I really don't know here do you have any thoughts
0: No, I just, he's practicing in a limited capacity each day. So I think that this week is, you know, the most likely it has been, but we probably just won't know until we know.
1: And this is just so typical Patriots with their injury reports. We have guys like um, Johnny Smith and Damian Harris who have been called week to week, but they're all always limited in practice and then just listed as questionable. So Uh, This is a tough one. I'm looking at our fine friends over at Roto World right now. And yeah, there just isn't too much going on. They did say there just hasn't been too much optimism about Jones playing on the Patriots beat. So keep an eye on it. You're not starting Mac Jones regardless, unless you're in one of these super flex two quarterback leagues. Anyway, it would be a nice little bump up there for Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry if he does manage to suit up though. Running back position, Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Taylor, Naim Hines, both questionable. Taylor with the ankle, Naim Hines with the concussion. Now, Colts, Colts head coach Frank Reich did say earlier in the week that he's optimistic Taylor will play in week six. He was back at practice by the end of the week. I do think we'll be okay with Jonathan Taylor. And if we are, okay, obviously you're putting him in lineups of all shapes and sizes. If he's out and if Naim Hines is out, then we kind of have this two-back committee with Deion Jackson and Phillip Lindsay, which I really want nothing to do with, Nick. This is the league's single worst scoring off offense we all love Jonathan Taylor but do you have any like because again this could be a situation at least in DFS uh, not so much redraft league I think you'd be trusting either of these guys but there's a lot of cheap chalk this week I running back uh, on DraftKings in, in particular Deion Jackson Philip Lindsay do you have any sort of read there or do you think will be split pretty much down the middle
0: I think that Deion Jackson has an edge over Philip Lindsay and in a you know 14 or 16 team redraft league I, I actually do think you could flex him if JT is out
1: Let's see. With my early week ranks, I did not have Jonathan Taylor in. I had Deion Jackson as my RB35, so ahead of guys like Tyler Algier, Rashad White, Kenneth Gainwell, Philip Lindsay himself, he should have the more fantasy-friendly pass-down work in a Colts offense that, sadly, expecting them to be, once again, probably trailing, playing from behind, or at a minimum in a very gross game. Giants running back Saquon Barkley, good to go. He was briefly limited with that shoulder injury, but he is not listed on the final injury report. Said it once, said it twice. I'll say it again. I would draft Saquon before any other running back, if we restarted the fantasy season tomorrow. Vikings running back Alexander Madison, questionable with a shoulder injury. This one could be interesting, Nick, especially in DFS lane. Like, I get it. You're starting Dalvin Cook no matter what. But Dalvin, coming back from the shoulder injury himself, he's only played snap rates of 63 and 57%. Like, we've talked about on this podcast about Dalvin being a potential sell-high candidate just because his pass game role isn't nearly as robust as it has been in past years. If you take Madison out of that, though, then that could be a situation where you see Dalvin back in the sort of workhorse role that we're all used to seeing him in in the first place. So, just a matter of kind of, hey, potentially increasing expectations for Dalvin even higher than usual if Madison is going to be sidelined yeah. and then we have the re- oh sorry go ahead Nick
0: well so notably Tyson Ch- or Ty Chandler the number 3 running back he's on injured reserve too so that Ooh. does yeah so if Madison is out then that is very good for Dalvin
1: Yeah, I just don't think they really trust Kenny Nwongnu as anything more than, you know, just a return specialist. All right. In Los Angeles, the big news of the day, Cam Akers ruled out already due to a personal issue. Sean McVay would not elaborate on it. So hopefully everything obviously going right with Cam Akers behind the scenes. Either way, Daryl Henderson suddenly leaps right up into that upside RB2 conversation. It's a dream spot here. Ten point home favorites against the Panthers and Sean McVay. The reason why we're on Cam Akers and the reason why we all had Daryl Henderson as one of our favorite sleepers before the year is the fact that McVay, whether it's Todd Gurley, Cam Akers for brief periods of time. Last year, Daryl Henderson, Sonny Michelle, Malcolm Brown for a game or two. Sean McVay is one of the few head coaches that has been willing to give his lead running back a true featured role. So they did elevate Jake Funk and we have Kyron Williams hanging around on the IR. I'm not exactly sure when he is going to be activated. With that said, Kyron Williams okay, he's a fifth round rookie. I do have my skepticism if he can be anything more than a pass down back. And it's one of those things where like in Cleveland, for example, Nick, like when Kareem Hunt, if Kareem Hunt's a feature back and Nick Chubb's out of the picture, like I don't expect Ernest Johnson to take the pass down work away from Kareem Hunt when he already has the pass down work. Daryl Henderson already has the pass down work. I really don't think a returning Kyron Williams would all of a sudden take that off his plate. So with Daryl Henderson, I'm going to update my rankings after the show. I don't think I can squeeze him into the top 12, man, but he is going to be a top 15, top 16 running back for me. The spot's perfect, and I just think, man, we're going to look at this snap right after the game, and it's likely going to be in that 70-plus percent range. How are you feeling about it?
0: Yeah, pretty similarly, I do think that Malcolm Brown will irritatingly get in there on passing downs because they like him as a pass protector. Um, Carolina is top eight in half PPR points and full PPR points. Full PPR points allowed to running backs this year, so uh, top, yeah, I think high-end RB two uh, makes a lot of sense for Henderson.
1: Yeah, good call there on Malcolm Brown. They brought him back into the picture. I will say last week, just looking at the snaps, it was Henderson le- leading the way. 55% snaps, zero carries, five targets. Cam Akers, 31% snaps, 13 carries and one target. Malcolm Brown, just 13% snaps, did not have a carry or a target. So, should be the Daryl Henderson show. Just realize this offense has been gross, but again, with this status, 10-point favorites against a Panthers team whose head coach just quit on him, you could not put together a better spot for Henderson to hopefully give us some rb2 maybe even rb1 goodness here this week with acres out of the picture ravens running back justice hill doubtful with a hamstring injury he missed last week and unfortunately it didn't do anything for jk dobbins they just aren't ready to give him a featured role and honestly oc greg roman just hasn't ever been the type of guy to do that in the first place so last week sadly Kenyon drake even outsnapped jk dobbins in the game so dobbins still led the way in touches i he's for sure the highest projected Ravens running back. He should lead the way in all the counting numbers. Just realize with Dobbins, it's going to be really tough to treat him as more than this low end RB two until we see in game evidence of them giving him back, you know, just that bigger role that we're used to seeing. And honestly, with Gus Edwards, apparently, you know, getting pretty close to coming back. I'm not so sure that we're going to actually see this big breakout from JK Dobbins this year with the Cardinals running back, James Connor out with the rib injury, Daryl Williams out with a knee injury fire up, you know, Benjamin, let's go everybody. This is one of the cash game chalk locks of the week. And for good reason, man, we do have Corey Clement. We have Keontae Ingram in the picture, but like Sean McVay, man, Cliff Kingsbury, one of those few head coaches willing to feature a single workhorse running back. So I would definitely start, you know, ahead of guys like Melvin Gordon, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and even Najee Harris, among others, where it gets closer to me is him versus guys like a Miles Sanders, like Kenneth Walker, Jeff Wilson, Devin Singletary, more like that. So how confident are you in Eno Benjamin getting that three down roll, Nick? Because we haven't really gotten any games so far in his young career where we have had the opportunity to see if they trust him that way.
0: Yeah. I the only guy that stands out in that trio to me is I'd probably get CEH in there just given the 54-point game total that Buffalo and Kansas City has. Um I do like Keontae Ingram. I don't think you can start him in twelve team PPR formats, but I do think that you can roster Keontae Ingram in in deep leagues. Uh Eno, I do like where you're where you're going with this though. I the the, the Seattle Arizona game is total at fifty and a half points. So I think Eno is should be a, a high end RB two
1: you know, get him in those lineups. Again, it's one of those things where if you're thinking about if you should be starting, you know, or not, it's probably a pretty damn good problem for the squad to have. Broncos running back. Again, these guys are playing on Monday nights, so we don't have official injury designations uh, yet. But Melvin Gordon with neck and ribs, limited as is Mike Boone with the foot, but they were limited to start the week. And Melvin's been dealing with this neck thing for a couple of weeks. So as much as it feels weird to say, ah, it's just Melvin's neck, he's fine. He does seem to be fine. So expecting them to both play through that. Melvin Gordon should be the lead back. He was that guy last week, 55% snaps but Latavius Murray back in the picture this could get annoying remember there was a week where none of Javante Melvin or Mike Boone played even 50 percent of the offensive snaps so that's basically been my hesitation with overly trusting Melvin Gordon as a mid low end RB2 again it's tough especially on uh you know with four teams on by it's tough to get overly excited about either uh you know it's hard to be too down on either of these uh, running backs, but with Melvin, just don't be too surprised if Latavius Murray make the, makes this an annoying situation, especially if those Butterfingers persist. What's up, Nick?
0: Yeah, so one thing to, to point out here via uh, PFF's offensive line, defensive line matchup chart, the Los Angeles Chargers are allowing 1.95 yards before contact. That's the highest Uh, average by a margin of uh, 0.31. So whichever guy, if we get any sort of indication that one of these guys is going to be the lead, or at least efficient, which I think would probably be Mike Boone, I think that they are definitely worthwhile uh, in GPP formats.
1: Good note, my friend. And as always, you guys can check out my mismatch manifesto article on pff.com. One of the things I look at is the yards before contact from the offense and the defensive line. And yeah, Denver's certainly not in a bad position at all this week against that leaky Chargers front seven, especially when they don't have one Joey Bosa in there to help things out. All right, Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert, questionable with a knee injury. All the usage is looking good for Raheem Mostert. I will say he wasn't able to get a full practice in this week. The one consistency with this Dolphins backfield kind of has been the general inconsistency. I know it's been leaning more towards Mostert, but man, this isn't what I want to see, Nick. We know he's a a veteran that's, you know, I I hate using the word injury prone, but if anyone's been injury prone, it really has been Raheem Mostert. I understand there's gonna be a lot of rosters out there where I'm gonna get questions where it's like, oh, Raheem Mostert versus JD McKissick, Mike Boone. Deion Jackson. Yes, Mostert over all these guys. But man, Nick, when it comes to Raheem Mostert versus Kareem Hunt, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, David Montgomery, Moeben Gordon. It- I have Mostert right now RB24. I'm going to be taking the other RB2s ahead of him if possible cuz I'm just worried that he is functioning at less than 100% and accordingly we see Mike McDaniel get Chase Edmonds or get Miles Gaskin more and more involved. I'm just I don't think we've seen enough yet especially with this injury on top of it to expect Mostert to just have those 70% snaps like there's nothing wrong. And that's even before considering the possibility that an offense led by a 7th round rookie really could just, you know, evaporate and not actually be all that good out there. So, how what you feeling about Mostert this week?
0: Yeah you you've nailed this uh, and regardless of whether someone wants to say that he is or is not injury prone he's a 30 year old running back who just showed up on the injury report with a knee injury this is a uh, Mike McDaniel comes from a coaching tree that is famous for utilizing their top three running backs more than anyone else in the league so I, I think uh, being hesitant to pull the trigger with Mostert in, in the flex this week is totally reasonable.
1: Appreciate our live chat YouTubers out here. Eek is mentioning that the game in Seattle could be moved back to the SNF time slot if the Mariners force ALDS Game Four. So I don't think there's anyone because lock, it's fine on Seattle, and the Cardinals running backs are already ruled out. So I think injury-wise in those games, luckily we're basically good and clear. That actually could be really good though because we have for the Cowboys C.D. Lamb, who we'll get to in a minute. He is suddenly questionable. So hopefully that could give you some more pivots uh, for those games if we do need to go there. Hopefully everyone just plays out and is healthy and yeah, good for Seattle. A lot of, a lot of good things going on in Seattle this year, man. Love to see that. Uh, also with no Patriots running back Damon Harris. He's officially questionable with the hamstring injury. He's been limited in practice. He's supposed to be week to week. Again, they did the same thing with Johnny Smith last week. They called him week to week. They listed him questionable. He practiced in limited practice, limited fashion, and he wasn't out there. So I'm expecting Damon Harris to be out. And the fact they elevated Kevin Harris from the practice squad to the active roster makes me think it is going to be Ramondre Stevenson RB1 season. So I would note, you know, the 86, the egregiously big uh, snap rate last week that came when it was only Damon Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. So Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, they could make things a little more interesting than we we're expecting but stevenson's been so good belichick said it himself and pff said it man our third highest graded running back on the season right now ramondre stevenson top 10 running back get him into the fancy lineups of all shapes and sizes One interesting one here, and I'm getting a little scared of this situation, uh, Nick. In San Francisco, Tyrion Davis-Price, not listed on the injury report with that ankle injury, should be good to go for Sunday. So I think Jeff Wilson should still be the pretty undisputed RB1. With that said, in the one game we did get after Elijah Mitchell was out, Tyrion Davis-Price was factoring into that equation. So it still was Jeff Wilson as the starter, as the lead back. But TDP was getting more involved. And now Kyle Shanahan's longtime BFF, Tevin Cole, is getting involved as well. Lest we forget Kyle juice check and Debo Samuel going to continue doing Kyle juice check and Debo Samuel type of thing. So with Jeff Wilson, it's one of those things where we really need him to have more control of this backfield than in most situations because of the presence of Debo and juice check. I am worried if all of a sudden TDP just takes a little bit of work away because all, cause we're already not catching passes. The 49ers and the Ravens tied for last in the league in terms of targets to their running backs. So what do you think here, Nick, like confidence level with Jeff Wilson holding on to the starting job? Because despite everything I just said, he's been good. I don't think he's going to necessarily lose the f- starting job. I do wonder if he could lose that three down featured job, though.
0: Well, the thing I'm going to rely on is the 49ers being uh, minus five and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, he, I think he is the lead back. I think we all know how bad Tevin Coleman is. And Shanahan sticks to his priors, and that's fine. Um, Terry Davis-Price. Absolutely worth a roster spot. We do have a very long history of running back seasons being totally derailed by a, a high ankle sprain. So maybe he proves to be an outlier in this regard, but he is a rookie. I I think that Jeff Wilson, I think I think this is a winnable game for them, and Kyle Shanahan likes to trust his guys. Maybe we we tick Jeff Wilson down a little bit, but I, I'd probably have a hard time removing him from the top 24.
1: It's similar to our Daryl Henderson discussion. Like, um, sure. we can't be 100% sure on this. We haven't seen it yet. There's a new variable in the equation, and we're just trying to do our best to predict the future and what's going to happen. But the added game script element, the fact that these guys should be the lead early down backs and they should have all sorts of positive game script to work with has us more confident than you know we would be otherwise. So good stuff there. Before we keep on going, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our lovely sponsors, most notably DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing over here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get two $100 $100 in free bets if they do. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Right now for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts bigger than ever. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else and to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long. What are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet in any football game. That's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Note that minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, real quick, Fabian Verka wondering if it's time to drop Tyler Boyd. Absolutely not because T. Higgins is very questionable this week with that ankle injury. And if you do look at Boyd, man, we got like a 13-game sample size of him with Burrow without Jamar Chase, obviously Burrow's whole rookie season. And then the second year, T. Higgins did miss a couple games. And when T. Higgins is out of the lineup, Burrow does not all of a sudden feature the other Mike Thomas. He really starts to hone in more and more on Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. And we'll get to that Saints secondary here in a couple minutes, but all sorts of injuries going on there, specifically with number one cornerback Marshawn Lattimore out of the picture. So I think that Chase, Boyd, Burrow, this could be a sneaky get-right spot for that Cincinnati Bengals passing game. And with that, I think we are actually, Nick, and I'll throw it over to you in a sec, but want to give a shout out to our friends over there at Sleeper with our Sleeper of the Week. And I am going to go with Tyler Boyd. Again, it has been fantastic for him in this sample size. 13 games with T. Higgins out of the picture, injured very early, or with Jamar Chase. And in those 13 games, Boyd has averaged 6.6 catches, 69 yards, nice, 0.4 touchdowns on 8.5 targets per game. Ian, I don't know what those numbers mean. Those are just one game. Okay, extrapolate that off 17 games, 112 catches, 1,173 yards, six and a half touchdowns on 145 targets. Nick, I'm absolutely going to have Tyler Boyd as a recommended start.
0: Top 30,
1: 32 wide receiver if T. Higgins is ruled out.
0: Cool. I love it. Uh, One thing that I want to note with T Higgins, even if he is active, uh, our buddy, Dr. Edwin Plass noted on Twitter uh, via video that the mechanism of the Higgins ankle injury looks to him like a high ankle sprain. That hasn't really been reported widely. So I think if he is out there, I think he's a decoy. I wrote up Jamar Chase as uh, an outstanding uh, GPP, really cash game play as well. Um, We can talk about that more when we get to the the Saints cornerback uh, matchup though, if you please.
1: Yeah, I'm chasing my cash game show at the moment and what we're going to start doing uh, in this podcast, guys, because I, I hear you, I've gotten some notes about us not having a, a DFS show this year and it's just honestly a matter of resources. I don't need to get into all that, but I still love DFS. I talk about it every Friday at Roto Grinders. Nick does some great work on pff.com. So at the end of, end of this injury episode, I am going to give just some good cash game plays and then we're going to go over some of Nick's tournament blowups and other things like that. So appreciate you guys reaching out when you got a question about the pod. And, hey, man, And the people, always trying to give you guys exactly what you want. You guys are the people, obviously, we care about most anyway. All right, talked a little bit about the Bengals already. Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill. He was in a boot after last week practice in full, not listed. Good to go. Nick and I already talked about him and Jalen Waddle continuing to be upside wide receiver twos, despite, you know, the musical chair of quarterbacks under center in Miami, the Rams are being freaking annoying. And we're the only team when we started that didn't have their final injury report out yet. With that said, we already got Cam Akers ruled out Cooper cup and Tyler Higby didn't practice on Wednesday. They both returned on Thursday in a limited fashion. And now I am finally looking at it and Cooper cup is officially quite questionable as is higby let's see sean McVay steady expects cooper cup tyler higby and aaron donald all to play thanks McVay. there we go nick don't even have to worry about it get cooper cup in all fantasy lineups you know that and guys this could be a huge game we talked about the saints secondary being banged up panthers even more so i don't know i don't want to quite go there with alan robinson we'll talk about them in a little bit (laughs) Ravens wide receiver Shaw Bateman ruled out with a foot injury. Hey, Devin Duvernay, he's had three weeks outside the top 40 wide receivers, also a wide receiver nine and a more recently wide receiver 26 finish. So if you are in a situation where just really looking for, you know, an extra flex option, you're in dire need, Devin Duvernay could be someone to help you out. Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson, not listed on the injury report with that hip injury that had him limited to start the week. Volume-based, borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Unfortunately, this matchup against Tampa just sucks, but I am cautiously optimistic about Kenny Pickett and this passing game, especially with George Pickens moving forward. I know it hasn't been great with Pickett, but the matchups have been brutal. We've seen the Bills, you know, make a lot of good offenses look awfully ordinary this year. So more than anything, I just think there should be enough volume with enough decent play out of Pickett for both Deontay and Pickens to maybe, just maybe, start giving us some consistency here moving forward. This is the one I'm really excited about, Nick, because we're all focused on the Chiefs and Bills game this week, and for good reason. Highest game total. It's it's the Chiefs versus Bills, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Of course, the Buccaneers, though, back-to-back weeks, Tom Brady throwing the ball 52 times, Okay, he's got the healthy receivers. We're back to having one of the most pass-first offenses in the league. You look at the Steelers' secondary. Those are the three ones that are Saints, Panthers, and Steelers. All kinds of banged up. Their best player, Mike Fitzpatrick, is out. They got three cornerbacks out of the picture. And look what the Buccaneers got. They got Mike Evans good to go. Chris Godwin not listed on the final injury report. Russell Gage not listed. He's been someone playing through the pain throughout most of the season. Julio Jones is doubtful, which is not ideal, but it actually does cement these three guys more so at the top of the depth chart. So, Nick, the question is, what do we make of Chris Goblin's part-time role last week? I'm inclined to trust the beat reporters, Greg Allman, uh from The Athletic specifically, who st- said, not from a team source, but just during the game last week, he, ex- he said that he believed Chris Godwin wasn't playing as much because they were killing the Falcons. They came back and made it a game at the end, but this wasn't close. Why have someone that's already been dealing with the, you know, Marriott of issues like still out there trying to play banged up the week before against the chiefs when they had to come back and just keep trying to keep themselves in the game. Goblin did play like a full-time role. He was on the field over 80% of the snaps and routes out there. So I'm inclined to force Evans and Goblin in the fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes. How worried are you about that Goblin usage? Nick?
0: I'm not. I And I, I think that he even could take a few plays off and still be okay. Pittsburgh couldn't cover the slot with Cam Sutton active, and now they have to figure out how to do that without you know, their bad starting cornerback there. I think that uh, Pittsburgh can also push the pace a little bit. Uh, I do like George Pickens' uh, defensive matchup here, and, and Pittsburgh has shown a willingness to let Kenny Pickett throw the ball quite a bit. So I think that um, Pittsburgh could continue to, to kind of needle uh tampa bay into throwing more and more
1: it's always funny when you have these all oh, NFL players are good but the ones are relatively less good like a cameron sutton you know in the slot and then like he's out and it's like well we don't really know the backup that well but he used the <laughs> backup to the guy who we already know isn't getting the job done so can only be a good thing there for the wide receiver facing him. Uh, Cowboys wide receiver CD Lamb. This is this one's interesting. He's a DMP on Friday. He's officially questionable with this hip injury. I have not seen anything, you know, talking about him just just being. They talked about the GPS tracking stuff uh, throughout the preseason and even last week for a bit. It doesn't. I tend to think he's going to be okay. This again, this happened in a similar fashion last week, but the fact it did come up on Friday obviously deserves our attention. This is a Sunday night game. That's why I was saying before, if we do get that Arizona and Seattle game moved back, that will just hopefully give you some extra options to be able to get through. But at a minimum, get CD lamb out of the wide receiver spot and just get him in the flex spot. I, hopefully you guys like, I, we freaking know Ian is the most common fancy advice out there. We're it is for a good reason. So let's just make sure we do it. Nick, Have you you seen anything about the C.D. Lamb injury? Do you have a feel if he's going to be out there?
0: So two points. One, what I have seen is optimism, if if only like mild optimism, but um, a resource that is free that I do recommend everybody check out. Adam Hutchison, super smart uh, physical therapist. He has what's called an injury index uh, per his index non-specific hip injuries for wide receivers on average result in 1.5 games missed. Now again, we do have some optimism on CD Lamb's injury, but that's a resource everybody should go check out uh, to, you know, do their own homework on this
1: great follow for sure. Cowboys VP Stephen Jones did tell reporters he's just working through a couple things there. Just felt like it was best for him not to practice today. We feel like he'll get all that sorted out for the game. So I feel better. That was Stephen, not Jerry Jones saying that because Jerry, we can't tend, tend to trust anything he's saying when it comes to injuries. I do think CD will play if he's out there. I'm starting him as if you know, this isn't an issue unless we get other information, but hopefully Schefter, Rapsh, all these guys. This is where I want them to make their money. Nick, I'm not going to go through the whole rant with that, but like, I just don't tell me CD question. questionable. Tell me, is he going to be out there or not? Because with these primetime games, that is always the, uh, you know, toughest ones to figure out with the rest of the lineup. Another issue we're going to have to continue to keep tabs on is Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen, still dealing with his hamstring injury. Does seem like he's once again going to be truly questionable and probably a game time decision. So if he's out, Josh Palmer back to his full time role, he can be trusted a little bit more so as a low end wide receiver three ahead of this matchup against the Broncos. DeAndre Carter, you know, throw up in your mouth. Mouth flex Mike Williams obviously continue to lock him into starting lineups despite that tough upcoming shadow date with Patrick Sertan but if Keenan's good to go then yeah we're putting Keenan Allen in all these lineups but man just I can't get out of my head Nick we saw it last year Keenan told us all to start him and then he proceeds to re-injure the damn issue two quarters into the game so hopefully we have more clarity on Keenan Allen when those Saturday afternoon injury reports come out with the Saints this is ridiculous. Michael Thomas, rare L for Mr. Adam Schefter. Believed that he was going to be out there in week six. Total stats, total stat last week. Not so fast, my friend. Michael Thomas is out with a foot injury. So is Jarvis Landry with an ankle. And Deontay Hardy even is out with a foot issue. Of all people. Chris Alave, who, my goodness, that was a scary-looking concussion hit he took last week. He is somehow questionable and seems to have a pretty good chance of suiting up after getting in a full practice on Friday. So, Nick, it's Bear in New Orleans, man. We already talked about Taysom Hill having the opportunity to just get more snaps by virtue of all these injuries. Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway, the next man up otherwise. So, Definitely don't want much to do with Traequan or Marquez Callaway if we're not going to see, you know, even Alave out there. Could you put them, rank them inside the top 45, 40 wide receivers? Okay, I guess. But again, I think the real potential winners would more so be Alvin Kamara and especially Taysom Hill. Now, if Alave does play, that's a top 20 wide receiver right there.
0: Oh, I think it's a top 12 wide receiver. Oh, let's go. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that he was a full participant. Nick Underhill had tweeted out that he was working off to the side with trainers, but I, I did just double check. He, he was listed as a full participant. In terms of the concussion protocol, the deal is you have to go LP, not show any more symptoms, then log a full participation and not show any more symptoms. He's at least on the, the first and second part of that. If he, If they don't report any symptoms, like he is – ready to rock and we'll we'll come back to him during the uh, dfs portion of this show
1: sure well and daryl henderson good to go always love when i'm uh Mid pod and also typing out notes to the editors. My article is good to go. So sorry about that, everyone, but we're back on track now. Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie, not listed with a concussion. He is good to go. Jake Kumar is out with the ankle issues. So it does seem like is going to be the starting slot. Jameson Crowder was the only guy that was really working into that. Now, Khalil Shakur, their rookie, had a very nice, you know, week five in replacement. So I do think it's similar to Rondale Moore last week. I'm pretty sure McKenzie's going to be the starting slot. Close start, sit questions. I would probably lean towards the other guy, but I still think McKenzie can be a top 36 uh, option this week. So keep an eye on it. Okay, I have Isaiah McKenzie right now ranked wide receiver 39. So I think he's pretty close to guys like Devin DuVernay, like Josh Palmer and Rondale Moore, but honestly, I would give those close players the slight nod over Isaiah McKenzie, just because I am worried that we just see him continue to be the part-time player that to be fair, the bills have treated him as really throughout his entire career there. So Nick, are you more confident than me that McKenzie's just going to be this full-time starting slot receiver? Cause on the one hand, I mean, Shakur wasn't playing hardly at all when McKenzie was healthy out there in the earlier weeks.
0: Okay, so I really like McKenzie. I also really like Khalil Shakira. The way that the Buffalo Bills have run their slot receiver this year is they're doing a tandem slot thing. Crowder was the field stretcher. His average depth of target was four or so yards deeper than McKenzie. McKenzie was working the short area of the field. Shakir last week was at like a 16-yard average depth of target. What I think they're going to do moving forward is that McKenzie is going to be the 1A slot. He's going to work the short area. They're going to send Shakir on – shot plays. And again, this week against Kansas City, I like both of these guys. It's worth noting that Legarius Sneed, slot cornerback of the Kansas City Chiefs, is a little better at covering the short area of the field than he is the deep area. So that might give the nod to uh, Shakir just on an efficiency efficiency standpoint. But I I do think that this is just the kind of matchup where we want to go with these guys. Um, I, so I like both McKenzie and Shakir for those reasons.
1: The answer is yes. Love when that happens and Shakir especially, you know, if you are a wide receiver needy team, I know the wide receiver handcuffs, we've talked about it, how they usually more times than not, not aren't a real thing, but Shakur is in a unique position where if any of these guys digs, gave uh, Diggs, Gabe Davis or Isaiah McKenzie get hurt all of a sudden Shakur especially after we saw him you know prove some of that hype last week with the start with the route rate and just with the production I do think Shakur out of any wide receiver four out there is worth a roster spot if you happen to have the room Giants wide receiver room, still all kinds of banged up. Kenny Galladay out with the knee. Kadarius Tony out with the hamstring. Apparently, he hurt his other hamstring uh last week, Nick. So that's just that's just fantastic. And wandale Robinson, questionable <laughs> with a knee injury. So it'd be very tough to trust Wandale in his first game back. Again, the overall upside of his passing game, anyway, is so small. I would, again, if you need a wide receiver, don't be afraid to get Wandale right now someone already dropped him because he's going to be on the cover of those waiver wire articles if he does go out there, play the full-time role, and get some targets. Don't start him, though, and don't start any of these guys. Darius Slayton, he's the one. If I had to project someone to score the most points other than Saquon Barkley in this offense, it would be Darius Slayton, even then, though, not thrilled about it at all. Jaguars wide receiver Zay Jones should be good. He practiced in a limited fashion all week with the ankle injury. He's listed that as questionable. It was the same thing as last week, and he played his usual role, usual role. Marvin Jones is the one that does seem like he could be missing this one. He was a late week Friday addition to the injury report with a hamstring injury, and it'd be interesting man, because in week two, Stefan Gilmore shadowed Marvin Jones, and that allowed Christian Kirk to more easily score those two touchdowns, and Zay Jones was efficient with his few targets he had out there. So I still think Kirk, it's a nice Bounce back spot. We have Doug Peterson, you know, doing the squeaky wheel gets the grease sort of uh, thing with him saying Christian Kirk should be a guy getting 9, 10, 11 targets per week. And I think Zay Jones, especially on uh, DraftKings where he's kind of cycled in with a couple other low priced guys, I think it would be more chalky. I think Zay Jones could be an interesting play as well. And if you need a full PPR flex, I think Zay is, a, you know, perfectly reasonable option. Anything uh, looking good with Zay or Christian Kirk in terms of your wide receiver cornerback matchups this week, Nick? Yes.
0: Yeah. So I expect Kirk to face uh, Kenny Moore on most of the snaps, as does PFF's wide receiver CB matchup chart. Uh, Kenny Moore all year has been a guy, a slot cornerback that we want to target. He is really bad, and Christian Kirk is pretty good. So simple as that. There we go.
1: All you need to know. Patriots wide receiver, Jacoby Myers, questionable with a knee injury. Similar thing, though, to uh, what I just talked about with Zay Jones. It's the same schedule as last week where Jacoby was questionable. He was limited, and he went on to play his usual full-time role. Nelson Agler, seemingly more questionable with a hamstring injury. Also limited, but it's the freaking Patriots, so who the hell knows? Jacoby, though, guys, he's a legit top 36 option in full PPR. They're using all their other wide receivers in a rotation. Tyquan Thornton's back, so you got Parker, him, Boyd. Warren and Aguilar, if he's going to suit up all kind of taken away from each other. But this year targets per route run. Number one is Tyreek Hill. Number two is Amon Ross, Saint Brown, and number three is Jacoby Myers. Hell, he scored a touchdown last week. Who knows, guys? Not illegal for him to keep on keeping on. Maybe, just maybe, start getting some of that sweet, sweet touchdown regression. Good news in Seattle: Tyler Lockett was a midweek addition uh, to the injury report on Thursday with a hamstring. He is not listed on the final injury report, so Lockett good to go. He's got that, you know, way too cheap. I think five point seven k price on DraftKings, so I would. I didn't have my original cash game show, Nick. We can get to it more, but like, man, it was the same thing with Gerald Everett last week when he got like, I don't want to see guys added midweek with the hamstring injury. They're no. not listed, and that's great, but this is problematic. Uh, I would also know D. Eskridge is questionable with an illness. So maybe they need Lockett to play more than usual, but I'm not going out of my way to play Lockett like in cash. I get it. He's just still I think he's still fine to rank as a top 20, 24 wide receiver. It's not ideal. Is that fair?
0: It's not ideal. No, I, I think leaving a out of cash lineups is totally fine. But the matchup, I mean, these Arizona cornerbacks are so bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It really is a setting up to be a fun little game there in the ever shootout happy NFC West. Packers wide receiver Christian Watson ruled out with the hamstring cements Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, and Randall Cobb into three wide receiver sets. Randall Cobb's another guy where again, if you're just on, I, I'm in some of these leagues with you guys, guys. 14, 14 teams, three flex spots, you know, small benches, and sometimes with these buys, you just need someone out there. Randall Cobb leads the uh, Packers in receiving yards right now, and he really has stepped up and taken that slot role. So. I don't know how long it'll last. I get it. You know, father time's undefeated and all that, but especially we can take someone like Watson out of the picture. It's just good to get these already kind of low upside situations condensed around fewer parties. And finally, Panthers wide receiver Robbie Anderson did not practice on Friday with an illness. I would love to say that if Robbie's out, we can like upgrade DJ more, but I don't freaking know. It's PJ Walker this week. And I love PJ, love all my XFLers. But again, there's a reason why the Panthers are implied to score the fewest points of any offense in week. Six, let's talk a few tight ends here. Bill's tight end, Dawson Knox, not listed after, you know, dealing with these foot and hamstring injuries that kept him out of the lineup in week five. The problem was, Nick, he really wasn't playing this every down role that we expected him to be even before he got injured. I thought Quentin Morris, even though he had that fumble on the goal line, he looked good out there, man. This is like he's under 250 pounds. He's more receiver-esque than Dawson Knox. And similar to your point about Shakur kind of taking some more of the down the field uh, stretching responsibilities, I just don't know if they really view Knox as that guy. They obviously love him. They gave him that big contract for a reason. But with Dawson Knox, like he, he is just way more of a touchdown-dependent uh, tight end, too, than I think any of us were imagining. Like we're for sure playing guys like Taysom Hill, Hayden Hurst, Hunter Henry over Dawson Knox this week. We do have Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts, officially questionable with a hamstring injury. He said on Wednesday that he believes he'll be good to go, but obviously when you get that questionable tag, not ideal. David Njoku... Or Kyle Pitts, Nick. I go back and forth by the freaking hour. It seems like.
0: Oh man, that's a really tough one. Um, so all right, uh, your 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 buddy uh, Dwayne McFarland did point out that San Francisco, and actually I covered this in for Drake London. Uh, San Francisco runs a lot of zone defense. That tends to kind of spread the targets out a little bit to the uh, ancillary positions. In this case, I guess Kyle Pitts is now an, an ancillary target um, in in this offense. Um, that's t- I mean, Bill Belichick has a good history of shutting down tight ends, but maybe you do just go with David Njoku as he he kind of seems to bring a safer floor. I don't know. Maybe depending on the matchup or you know in GPP formats, you chase Pitts. That's a good one.
1: It's so close, Kyle Pitts or Tyler Higby. I think Higby with the
0: volume. Uh, I'm I'm inclined towards Pitts, but I'm, oh I'm kind my. of. A, I mean, because I don't think that game script is going to favor a high volume. That's Los true. Angeles Rams attack, but. It's that's tough.
1: We're taking Goddard over Pitts. Sure. Yes. I think I'm gonna end up slotting Kyle Pitts in as my tight end six. I would start Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Goddard, probably Zach Ertz as well. That yeah, that Seattle Cardinals game is looking very good. Those are the only five tight ends I would start over Kyle Pitts. Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Ertz, Goddard, Kyle Pitts. Glad we talked that out. Let's go. Bengals tight end. <laughs> Bengals tight end Hayden Hurst, officially questionable with the groin injury, but this was something that happened last week. And basically, he was a DMP last Friday. That looked more concerning than this week, where he was limited the whole time. He went on to play, you know, a really high percentage of Joe Burrow's routes and all that. So, and also, if we take away T Higgins from the picture, even better for Hayden Hurst's potential touchdown upside, as we saw come to fruition last week. And as our friend Eek sadly reminds us, yes, Arthur Smith has been better shutting down pits than even an injury could suggest. Come on. Come on, Arthur. You know, make us all eat our own words, please. Fantasy does not want anything more than for Arthur Smith to be able to, you know, make fun of us in a good way after Kyle Pitts actually has a good game. It would help us all. Are we asking too much? We just want one of your best players to have a bunch of yards and points, man. We're on the same team here, or at least I thought we should be. Rams tight end Tyler Higby again, questionable with the ankle, but Sean McVay has already said he is good to go. Who is not good to go is Steelers tight end Pat Fryermuth ruled out with a concussion. So expect Zach Gentry to potentially play a near every down role. Now, Gentry, as much as I kid with uh, Joy McFarland sometimes about, uh, you know, how he actually outsnapped and outrouted Pat Fryermuth in the playoffs last year, he certainly is not the same caliber receiver as Pat Frymer. So, this is not a situation where, you know, we're just crossing out Frymer's name and putting Gentry in. With that said, if you do need to save some money on DraftKings, just 2.6K for Gentry. At that point, you're just hoping one of those catches winds up in the end zone. He should have an every-down roll, maybe a chance or two to make that happen. But again, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, Taysom Hill. Those are your three main uh, tight end pickups of the week on the waiver wire. We'll also note Buccaneers tight end Cameron Braight not listed on the final injury report. Good to go after experiencing the concussion. This is another sneaky DFS target, man, because he was really playing an every down role in week three and four. He only played about, it was less than half of week four before he got hurt. He had 14 targets in those one and a half games, man. So Cameron Bray, again, I just, if you're trying to win a million dollars and you're looking at some of these high scoring games and you just want to play, who's the guy getting the least amount of attention from these passing games we're expecting to do well, I do think Cameron Braight checks some of those boxes. Talked about Taysom Hill plenty already. He is not listed on the final report, despite having a limited practice to start the week with a rib injury. And finally, Patriots tight end Jonu Smith. The Hunter Henry play is contingent on Jonu, continuing to miss time. He is officially questionable, but I do think he's going to miss this week. They referred to him as week to week before. Just have not heard the sort of optimism to suggest that he's going to be back in the picture. Nick, before we move on, some specific DFS stuff. Just some real quick other position groups that are experiencing a lot of injuries. Oh, actually, sorry. One more thing. Accidentally added a tight end to the bottom of the wrong section of my article. Hate to see that. Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz not listed with a knee injury. but man already saw him bend that up last week. You know he's playing through the pain. This offense has already had zero upside with Cooper Rush under center. Again, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, Taysom Hill. We're playing all these guys ahead of Dalton Schultz this week. Once Dak is back, could be a different story. Defensive side of the ball, Browns cornerback Denzel Ward out with a concussion. This already, I talked to my mismatch manifesto. Another thing I look at is explosive pass play rate from the offense and the defense. Number one matchup of the week is the Patriots. I mean, they against the Browns. So Browns, we've seen throughout the season, even going back to week one, they do tend to have at least one or two big coverage busts per week. Just look at that freaking Jets game. Uh, Jacoby Myers, again, really setting up as a top 36 option in full PPR in the three secondaries, guys. The Buccaneers going up against the Steelers. Cameron Sutton out. Akella Witherspoon out. Levi Wallace out. Miko Fitzpatrick out. That is incredible. Buccaneers players, close start, sit question. I am taking the guy residing in Tampa Bay. We also have the Saints secondary. Cornerback Marshawn Lattimore out. Paulson a debut with his knee is questionable. And safety Marcus May is questionable. So Jamar Chase blow up week. Finally, I do think that could be on the way and also really consider giving Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, nice boost at T higgins is ultimately ruled out and finally the panthers secondary jc horn is questionable with a rib rib injury cj henderson question cj henderson questionable with a knee injury dante jackson questionable with an ankle injury and stanley thomas oliver out with a thigh so some interesting ones here they're not guaranteed to be out by any stretch and it's just one of those things man where i even even with these injuries i can't say that alan robinson should be out there because the man is it's not it's not that alan robinson has been bad He has been arguably the worst wide receiver in the entire league relative to the wide receivers that have actually been out there playing football targets per route run, literally dead last 84th among 84 qualified wide receivers. So, could alan robinson make the most out of his four or five targets sure maybe but man like you said before nick this does not seem like the sort of game script to expect there to be much volume from to take advantage of those matchups in the first place so that is going to wrap up the main injury segment of this podcast but want to go over some dfs stuff for the next 10 15 minutes or so so if you guys do have specific you know more so start sit injury questions stuff like that now's the time to send them in the chat and we'll try to get to those while we're going along but nick let's first talk about your dfs cheat sheet publish it every single week on pff.com where you highlight a good five or six players who hey you think you should play this week because they have some nice tournament upside who are we targeting this week
0: yeah so chris olave i think uh offers a big time gpp upside the DFS market tends to fade guys who have a questionable tag next to them. The fact that he got in a full participation today is outstanding for his prospects. Uh, PFF pr- uh, ownership projections have him at just 5.5%. He's tied with Brees Hall for rookie of the year, uh, favorite. So I, I think that this is like one of the lowest rostership rates that we can expect from Olave for the rest of the year. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals tend to skew towards zone defense, and Olave is hes one of the top five or top seven best wide receivers in the NFL against zone. He's also just among NFL wide receivers with at least 100 receiving snaps to their name. He's top five in both targets per outrun and yards per outrun. The uh, New Orleans offensive line has a little bit of a boost in the O-line, D-line matchup chart against Cincinnati's defensive line. So I think on the whole – if, with Olave active, I th- I think this is a smash spot for him. Uh, chalk play at quarterback. I really like Josh Allen here. That's yeah. not a surprise, but just we've already kind of hit the important points. Um, the fifty-four point over under. He's going to be throwing the ball nonstop. He's number one in the league in passing first downs. He's he's uh, number one in yards after contact, and one of the other advanced metrics in uh, quarterback rushing. He's like, a god. He's a god. He. Yeah, there you go. Um, I also really like Brees Hall at running back. He's 5,800 on DraftKings. They're going to be playing from a uh, losing game script against the Green Bay Packers. Currently, they are plus 7.5 uh, underdogs. Brees Hall has pretty much locked up the passing down roles. He's, he's had third out for a while. Last week, he handily out-snapped Michael Carter in the two-minute drill. I think it was around like 14 to 6 uh, snaps. And he's just, he's one of the most efficient rusher, or excuse me, uh, pass catching running backs in the NFL. He's number seven in PFF grade receiving. Um, he is number one in yards per out run, number two in targets per out run. He, he's just, he's fantastic. And he was,
1: he was like top three, top five, and all those even before getting that, you know, 80 yard
0: coverage bust last week. Like this is not yeah. just
1: one big play in a small sample. The dude's been doing it all year.
0: Yeah, uh, another wide receiver I like, specifically for GPP, uh, is Drake London. His uh, He's number three in targets per outrun among NFL wide receivers with at least 100 snaps. What What is difficult with Drake London in cash games is just the volume, the overall passing volume here, I yeah. think somewhat reduces the reliability that he's going to find these ceiling games that you might find with, you know, someone in the passing game of the Buffalo Bills. But for GPP purposes, I think that he offers – enough differentiation that, that he's interesting. He's also very good against zone. I mentioned that earlier. San Francisco skews heavily towards zone. They're at, by my calculation, they run their perimeter corners uh play zone and 79% of snaps. He plays in the perimeter of the formation 87% of the time. So I, I like him a lot. My final guy in the DFS cheat sheet is Zach Ertz. The Seattle Seahawks are the worst defense against tight ends this year. In in the DFS cheat sheet, I broke down all of the number one tight ends against the seattle seahawks and for the saints last week no i did not include Taysom hill because even <laughs> he got it done passing and rushing whereas adam troutman actually had himself a day uh through the air so zach Ertz is my tight end three on the week and i think that he has a chance to actually finish the overall tight end one so i like him a lot in gpp i mean we had
1: A tight end, Taysom Hill, throw a touchdown to another tight end, Adam Troutman. Like, if there's ever a stat, you need to see how bad Seattle is against tight ends. There you have it. But, yes, Hawkinson's massive 180-yard two-touchdown game came against Seattle. The one time Kyle Pitts didn't disappoint us came against Seattle. Ross freaking Dwelley scored a touchdown. Albert O had five catches and 30 yards against Seattle. Great points from Nick. Again, he can catch his weekly DFS cheat sheet. Five recommended plays for all contests on pff.com. Also has some awesome wide receiver cornerback, match. Catch up data to target and to avoid out weekly as well. Quickly, there are a few prop bets that I was, you know, throwing out over at Roto Grinders. And why not share with you lovely people as well? I do love the potential for George Kittle to blow up, get back on track this week. His over, over at FanDuel Sportsbook, just 40 and a half receiving yards. You can get that at minus 114. And look, this is just a line that's being so much more based on what Kittle has done over the last three, four weeks, as opposed to the last five, six years when the dude's regularly averaging, you know, 60, 70 plus receiving yards per game. So Falcons bottom three defense and basically every metric you want to look at against tight ends specifically the counting ones we really care about targets receptions and receiving yards so George Kittle I'm expecting AJ Terrell will spend most of his time against Brandon Ayuk maybe some on Debo as well should allow Kittle to finally get that blow up game we've been looking for Rondale Moore over 43 and a half receiving yards at DraftKings and by the way I love both these guys in DFS uh, contests of all shapes and sizes as well with Rondale he has the full time slot role now it's fantastic took us a while took us a hamstring injury took us the Greg Dortch experience to make sure we are here Rondale is that guy what's going to happen next week when DeAndre is back we'll worry about that next week for now he is facing a <laughs> Seattle defense that hey everything he talked about with tight ends same thing to wide receivers aligned out of the slot explosive pass play rate yards per attempt you know quarter. Quarterback rating, touchdown rate allowed. Seattle bottom two defense against slot receivers this season. So Rondale Moore, again, receiving yards, even his reception totals. Keep taking those overts. I will be taking the under on Ezekiel Elliott under 70 and a half rushing and receiving yards. You can get that over at points bet minus 115. Zeke is on pace this year for 17 catches. All the jokes that we make about George Kittle playing left tackle, which I think are a little bit like misguided because he's running a route on over 80% of Jimmy G's dropbacks anyway. Zeke's the one we should be making fun of about this. Like he's the guy losing targets to Tony Pollard, he's pass blocking and he's just not being effective. Now, the Cowboys offensive line has been bad as well. Like, like it's not fully on Zeke, but that goes into this. So no, I'm not taking the over on Zeke at 70 and a half rushing yards. And finally, I've got a question here earlier about, uh, you know, Joe Mixon maybe being unlucky or just not that good. I'm going to lean towards unlucky and take Joe Mixon two touchdowns or more plus 410 over at Caesars. So got some real nice plus odds on that one. And look, it's a matchup where I think they should be able to move the ball up and down the field at will against Atlanta. Mixing is 0 for 7 on scoring touchdowns. Rush attempts inside the 5 yard line. I think this is going to come back to at least the point where, okay, I don't know if he's going to average 5 yards per carry this year. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be the most efficient running back in the league, but this is the get right spot for a Bengals offense that I think could really blow up, score 30, 40 plus points. And the free and running back on their offense that leads the nfl in touches should be a big part of the potential pie when we're talking about scoring touchdowns so there's you know, sound good to you nick or i say something really stupid that you should actually warn these listeners about
0: there were two things that i was going to throw on there one uh, to your point about george kittle and his routes Run uh since he came back over the last three weeks, he has 85 receiving snaps. Debo is at 89, and Brandon Ayuk is at 92. I thought he was going to have to block with Trent Williams hurt, and that just hasn't been the case. On the Joe Mixon point, um I do think that that bet is very good. It's worth noting. I think I think this is something I've heard Sean Siegel point out. I believe three of those carries inside the five came on the same series, and he just yeah. kept getting stuff So it's a little inflated, but I all the process is is perfect like this. I think he is a very good shot of, of getting into the end zone more than once in this matchup.
1: Quickly, a few GPP plays I like at each position. Quarterback, I do think, look, everyone's so focused on the Chiefs and Bills game. And again, for good reason. God forbid, though, that gets a little wonky. Doesn't shoot out quite the way we're thinking. Or some of the other parties involved get gone that we weren't expecting. Maybe those running backs. I do like the idea of going with Kirk Cousins, Stealing, and Jefferson up against the Dolphins defense that has already been bad. They got Xavier Howard, who's playing through. This may be crack up, Nick. He's not listed on the injury report as a groin injury. It's groins. Both of his groins are apparently hurt. He's going to play through the pain. I can't say I've seen that one before. Byron Jones remains on the pup, unfortunately, with that Achilles injury. So, again, Jefferson, Thielen, Cousins, like we know these guys can go off during any given week. It has been since 2018 that Thielen has gone three straight regular season games without scoring a touchdown. This would be the week to get there. So, again, like their potential to finally get a nice blow-up spot in tournaments and also already talked about all these Tom Brady and his pass catchers against this awfully banged-up Steelers Secondary um, and GPP land again. I mentioned pivoting away from some of those chalky pass catchers in Kansas City and also in Buffalo. Claude Bezelay, Devin Singletary. Those are going to be probably the lowest owned players in that game that obviously we want exposure to, and it'll just give your lineup a nice different differentiation uh, compared to some of these other chalky rebuilds. Also, Joe Mixon, six point nine K in that potential sneaky shootout, and just with Mixon in general, Nick. I mean we'll talk about it briefly in a second with these cash games. Like the easiest build to make this week is to take all the value at running back, pay up and get your Cooper cups, your Jamar chases and the great wide receivers. You can pay up to get Josh Allen as well. You can pay down a tight end. So just a really easy way. If you're making a bunch of tournament lineups and you just want to differentiate things, be a little unique, be a little contrarian, look at that easy lineup construction and do the opposite of it. Cause most people out there are going to do the easy one and play, you know, shout out Peter over play the best plays and all that. And I'm not saying you can't mix it in and, do a little bit here and there, but really, I think this week, if you just pay up a running back, Go get a returning Jonathan Taylor. And Nick mentioned before about the questionable tag, usually turning people off of that. Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. These guys are probably going to be under 10% owned. We all know they have the ability to break any given slate. People aren't rostering them this week because we can go get Eno Benjamin and we can go get Daryl Henderson and all these guys costing far less money. So in tournaments, I will be fading the shit out of all of those guys that, again, are the chalk at running back. Wide receiver not illegal for Gabriel Davis to boom two weeks in a row. I will just point that out. If you are going to get some exposure in that Kansas city Buffalo game, I mentioned the Kirk cousins, Tom Brady stacks and all theirs guys, Nick and I both love Christian Kirk and to a lesser extent, Zay Jones this week. The Zay Jones one, I think more so is just interesting because he's squeezed right between Rondale Moore and Alec Pierce. I think they're going to be the ones attracting more of the attention. And we have seen upside with this Jaguars passing game. It's just been a couple of weeks. And finally Tyler Boyd at 5.1 K. I don't even think he's going to see this big bump in ownership if we get Higgins ruled out. There was a game a couple weeks ago where we didn't think Higgins were going to play, and Boyd wasn't all that trendy anyway. So especially with that Saints banged up secondary, don't be afraid to get you some Tyler Boyd. And GPPs, George Kittle, 5.1K. It's a slap in the face, Nick. Get him in those lineups. And also, David Njoku at 4K. Again, Bill is going to take away the number one option. We freaking know, but who's it going to be? We can't just say that happens and then apply it to Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, and David Njoku. I do think at some point we need to look at that Patriots defense as a mortal, even though they did just shut out Jared Goff and the Lions last week. I wouldn't be shocked if Njoku can get going there. So, Nick, you already basically went over, I think, your main – uh, GPP picks any other kind of general tournament thoughts
0: the only um, player that kind of stood out to me that we haven't really talked about was Jerry Judy uh, nice. he's going to go up against Bryce Callahan and uh, the slot cornerback for the the Chargers Callahan is really good uh, I'm a little bit concerned about Russell Wilson's protection with Garrett Bolt, left tackle Garrett Bowles going on injured reserve and I, I kind of feel like they might just send Khalil Mack around that edge so the Mac plus Callahan, I'm a little bit shaky. I'm, I'm, I'm lower on Jerry Judy this week than I have been over the last couple of weeks. So he might be a guy to consider fading.
1: It is interesting. And, you know, that is going to be Monday Night Football, but it's a good note for all you showdowners out there as well. But with Judy, man, I think we're, over, we're overestimating how much Sutton, I think, has taken over this wide receiver room. He is the one, but dude, Judy played like 11 snaps in week two. He was a game time decision the next week. He got limited that game. Like we've seen him usually, he's usually out there over 80% of the snaps and the routes. Like again, week two, he got hurt early. Week three, he severely saw his rep style back because he was playing through the pain. If we want to look at weeks one, two, and five, which I think is reasonable. I'm not just taking the good games. There's an actual injury-induced reason to maybe look aside at weeks two and three. If we look at weeks again, one uh one through. The freaking samples where Sutton and Judy were all active. Judy has actually been more productive than Sutton in that stretch. So Sutton has out-targeted him 24 to 19, but I think it's more of a 1A, 1B Sutton and Judy. I don't think it's Sutton at 1 and Judy's you know all the way down as the clear-cut number two. I do think it can be more close there in the future. The problem is Russell Wilson in the passing game just hasn't been as productive. So I actually don't think the Sutton-Judy split for Judy is as severe as people have been making it out to be. I like the idea of buying low on jerry judy way more than even someone like dj Moore nick because i still could see this broncos passing game actually having some upside we still do have russell wilson under center i know the broncos russell wilson we've seen hasn't looked good but we do know russell wilson is capable of playing better and if he's going to play better jerry judy has the role that we basically wanted him to have he just unfortunately hasn't gotten those big county numbers yet
0: totally fair um only other guy that I'll touch on here, and then I'll, I'll let uh, let the listeners go. Um, Marquise Brown has an excellent matchup against the Seattle Seahawks cornerbacks. Uh, Michael Jackson, PFF coverage grade forty eight point six. Tariq Woolen sixty four point three. Kobe Bryant forty five point two. Seattle as a whole has allowed an eighteen point eight percent explosive pass play rate, that is second highest in the NFL. Uh, 31 explosive pass plays in all. We're talking about one of the fastest receivers in the NFL uh, in a you know 50 and a half point over under. I I like Marquise Brown a lot.
1: Final thing here, I'll leave you guys with just kind of an easy cash game build that I'm sure you could come up with yourself, but if not, then here you go. Cash games, for those that don't know, we're talking head-to-heads, 50-50s. We are just trying to set the floor as high as possible. We need to beat one person, or we just need to finish you know, in the top 50 percentile. We don't need to actually differentiate ourselves and get in the top 1% of everything. This allows you to eat the chalk and just, again, try to build that median performance as high as possible. So with that said, to Nick's earlier point, we can get up to Josh Allen this week. There is enough saving elsewhere. So I love starting off with Josh Allen. Stacking him with Stefan Diggs because we can pay up at wide receiver. I am going with Jamar Chase and cash because we can pay down for a guy like Rondell Moore at just 4.2K and on a full PPR site like DraftKings. I just love his floor this week with the volume and especially with the matchup. At running back, Ramon J. Stevenson, Eno Benjamin, Kenneth Walker. I want those guys over Daryl Henderson, I think. Are you with me on that, Nick?
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: those three over Daryl Henderson. Honestly, the fact that we got this Cam Akers news is probably going to help kind of reduce all these uh, ownership percentages for Stevenson, Eno, and uh, Walker. So hopefully they're less chalky than before. But again, I'm fine eating that chalk and making it more of a situation where hopefully we pick the right wide receivers. At tight end, we can get Hunter Henry at 3.1K as long as John who's out. Hayden Hurst is also there at 3.3K. If you really want to get cheap, I wouldn't advise it. But if you really want to be a risk taker again, Zach Gentry at 2.6 K, that's the cheapest tight end that I could possibly, you know, say out loud and not completely hate myself And the Panthers defense at 2.4 K going up against that Rams offensive line. 31st in PFF's team pass blocking grave. We know Stafford's going to take some sacks. We know he's going to make a mistake or two out there. The Panthers like the Cowboys last week. It's just, the, you look at these bottom price defenses and like the offenses they're facing, you know, Chiefs, Bills, and all this. Like the Rams have been getting that respect from the DraftKings pricing for far too long this season. We haven't seen them do that week after week. And honestly, like just again, trying to pick like the right defense, it comes down to at least I found trying to get the groups to have the best chance to create pressure and create havoc. And I think what brian burns and company in carolina they can do that man i disagree with the notion that carolina needs to do this like complete five-year rebuild yeah of course they need a quarterback a lot of teams still need a quarterback but we got some pieces on that defense especially when their cornerback room isn't a complete walking graveyard and still some pieces on offense that with one quarterback or another we have seen be productive in the past as well so that's going to wrap things up. Kept you guys here for a little over an hour, but it's a great day. It'd be great, Nick. Why the hell not? Let the people know we got pff.com and anything else around the industry. I know you're a busy man this time of the year.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So we got the DFS cheat sheet. We have uh, top five wide receiver cornerback matchups to avoid at PFF. Uh, I've got full positional starts and sits at four for four. I have a five takeaways piece at the 33rd team. Got my own podcast, uh, Nerding Ooh. Out with Nick Botiford. That is on the uh, uh, Nerdball Fantasy Football platform and i do the rankings over at nerdball ff as well
1: my man is grinding follow nick on twitter at nick Botterford, nfl yep boom I'm at I, Hartitz. You know, I, Ian, and then Heart, It's my last name. Get your mind out of the gutter, people. You can catch all my content on pff.com. As always, PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Five new episodes each and every week. So, hope you guys continue to enjoy the content. I continue to appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. And, hey, happy week six. Have a hell of a weekend. We'll be back here Sunday night. Myself, Trey McFarlane, breaking down everything that happened and then moving right along to week seven. So for Nick, I'm Ian. Thanks for tuning in until next time. Take care, everybody.